Well, good. This morning, we're going to jump right into our message. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our series, Fresh Air. And the title of today's message is Catch Your Breath or Good Medicine. Today, we're going to talk about good medicine. How many of you need some good medicine from time to time? Come on. Sometimes you've got to take medicine. I used to be this guy that says, man, if you take medicine, you don't believe in Jesus. I took medicine, and I believe in Jesus. Are you with me? I've been radical. I've been an extremist. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I've been that way before. But sometimes we need some good medicine. And I'm not just talking about something you get in a bottle or something that you get from the, the, the pharmaceutical stores or the, or the doctor's prescriptions or anything like that. Sometimes a good dose of medicine can come straight from God. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I just want to, I want to get some good fresh air today. Amen. Well, our principle from week one was our, our fresh air principle. Number one was to love Jesus more or to fall in love with Jesus. That was our principle from from week one. And week one, remember, our message was about being caught in the doldrums and the doldrums were uh, I can't say the big word anymore, but it was basically this condition where the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere came together and there was no wind. And merchants years ago on, in their sail, their, their big ships that were sail and wind driven would get caught in this place called the doldrums where there was no wind moving, nothing stirring, nothing moving. And, how, and we talked about how sometimes we get in those situations in life, right? Surely I'm not the only one that gets caught in the doldrums from time to time. We get in a place sometimes where we feel stuck, right? But we just kind of like there's nothing fresh blowing. There's nothing new going on. There's nothing exciting. It's just kind of stale. And so we talked about how you get out of that as you fall in love with Jesus. You just pursue Jesus more. It's not that you can do anything more than what you're doing already. Right? But it's just that you, you concentrate and you focus on Jesus like you've never done before. And that's how you get out of the doldrums. That's how you get some fresh air into your life. Amen? Running from Jesus doesn't create fresh air. It tends to be more stale. Amen? So week, week two, we talked about choosing a Christ-like attitude was our principle number two. Is, is choosing the right attitude and how we have a choice. Say, I have a choice. You have a choice for your attitude. Come on. I look at my kids all the time and say, hey, you got a choice. Either you're going to have a good attitude or you're going to have a bad attitude. Now, honestly, the other day they wanted to come home and they just wanted to veg on the sofa. And there's just one thing that burns me up and it's called vegging on the sofa. I just have a hard time and I'm trying to learn. And you're going to learn today how I'm trying to learn how to veg on the sofa. But they had their heart set on watching Andy Griffin or something. And they were going to veg on the sofa all afternoon. And, and my wife had different plans. She said, oh, no, no, I got three batches of clothes that need to be folded and put away. And I got the, the dishwasher that needs to be unloaded. And they were like... Oh, but mom, oh, and she said, hey, 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 what's the attitude? And then I walked in in the midst of all, I said, hey, listen, you're going to do it. Okay. Period. The only difference is you can either have a good attitude or you can have a bad attitude. Is it going to be fun with a bad attitude? Is anything fun with a bad attitude? You just soon make your mind up. You know, you're here to serve God. You're on this planet to fulfill God's destiny for your life. And if you're not doing that, then you're caught in the doldrums. You're in stale, stale air. And you just soon have a good attitude about it that, you know what, I'm here for a reason. It's a privilege for me to be able to serve God. Amen. 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 It's a privilege. 
It's an honor. I get to be called his representative on this planet. Come on, somebody. So we have a choice to have a Christ-like attitude or not. So today I want to talk to you about something that I believe at least 90% of us in this room struggle with. So that's good, Pastor. So that means you'll, you'll probably learn something. We're going to deal with an epidemic in our society, and it's basically called busyness. How many of you are busy? Come on. If I was still working in the construction industry, I would just be starting to wind down my busy season. And come the end of October, November would, would just really start my slow season. Okay. And I understand that there's seasons, just like farmers have seasons that they have to really work hard. Right. And then there's seasons that they don't have to work so hard. And it goes with everybody's occupation. There's seasons of busy time and seasons of not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making yourself so busy that you lose track of God. Making yourself so busy that you become unhealthy. You ever got unhealthy by being so busy? Does anybody here struggle with stopping? Our key verse for this series has been Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy, there's only one. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have said before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. He's saying, I've set before you. I've placed this opportunity in front of you. You can choose life or you can choose death, right? And sometimes we get confused and we think the more we do and the busier we are, that means the more life we have. Right? When in reality, it's a lie. It's a trick. It's, it's a scheme. It's, it's actually choose life. Life according to God. Life according to his plan and his purpose for you. Right? Don't create your own life. And he said, I've, I've placed in front of you life and death. Blessings and curses. And then he says, now choose life. You see, it's a choice. I'll say it again. It's a choice. We all have a choice. Amen. So let me, let me tell you about how we are these days. Let me give you a few, few statistics. Um, you'll eat out uh, 14,411 times in your lifetime. 1,811 trips to McDonald's. The average American. It makes me want to throw up. I mean, seriously. 1,811 times to McDonald's. I think I've already surpassed that. You'll spend 13 years and four months watching TV. Chances are you'll spend five years waiting in lines. That's for all you folks that went to Disneyland. And Walmart. And Walmart. <laughs> You'll spend one year looking for misplaced items. Anybody tends to lose things? Anybody pass their year already? <laughs> you'll attend 35 weddings. Get this. You'll drive 627,000 miles in your lifetime. I have definitely beat that record already. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just think about that. At the end of your life, you can say, I've been to McDonald's 1,811 times. 
No wonder why my high, my blood pressure is high, and my cholesterol is high, and my stress is high, and my waistline is high. <laughs> you know, if you're burning the candle on both ends, you're really not as bright as you think you are. Amen? So let me give you five things to look out for when your life gets unhealthy. Number one, the risk of sinful choices increases. When you get so busy and you get wrapped up in the things and wrapped up in the more and you got to have more and you get that thing on you where you just got to you got to keep going. You ever get to the place where you just forget where the brake pedal is? You ever get to the place where somebody's crying out for help? You say, I ain't got time. I got to finish this. It's during those times that the, the risk of sinful choices increases. When you're depleted, you're unstable. It's been my, my motto for the last several years that it's better to make a mistake doing something than to sit around doing nothing. I've been a hard-headed, hardcore workaholic. Can I just, be con- can I just confess this morning? I was a full-blown workaholic. I'd work 10, 12, 14 hours a day. I would do some church work during that time. I would go home and do some work. And I would try to sleep at night, get up the next morning, go do it again, thinking that the more I did, the better I would become. The more I did, the better life would get. You see, I got this mindset that I was going to outrun my problems. When it came to finances, I figured, well, I'm just going to work my way through it. I'll go harder. We need money. I'm going harder. We don't have the money for payroll. I'm going hard. I mean, I would schedule things on top of things. And people would look at me and say, man, are you crazy? You can't do that. And I'd sit in the meeting and say, watch me. And that would even challenge me more when somebody would say, you can't do that. Man, you, you can't pour that much concrete in one day. Really? Let's just see about that. And I would do it. And not an ounce of it was blessed. It'd take me five days to recover. I became unstable. I got to the place where I didn't want to hear anybody else say, man, pace yourself. To me, that was like telling me to quit, to say, pace yourself. You know, Satan doesn't try to tempt you when you first leave church, does he? He waits till you get about midweek and you start getting tired and aggravated and you're ready for the week to end. Then what? Then he starts tempting you. Right? When Jesus went into the garden, Satan didn't jump on him right away. The Bible says that when Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was very hungry, Satan came and tempted him. You see, he's looking for you when you're weak. Come on. It's just like a lion. When a lion is, is surrounding, let's say, maybe some gazelles or something, they're looking for the weakest one. The pack of lions is looking for the weakest one. Why? Because it's the easiest catch. It's the quickest catch. You knock that one down and you get to eat right away. You don't have to work too hard. Jesus gave us a warning in Luke 21. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Isn't that good? He said, be careful. 
And that drunkenness doesn't just mean through alcohol. That drunkenness means you can, you can be drunk with what you do. Right? You can be intoxicated by how you perform or what you do or what your job is or what your description is. You ever been there before? Number two, my emotions are inconsistent. So when my life's starting to get unhealthy, my emotions become inconsistent. You know, there's doctors prescribing medication for people and they're calling it bipolar and this polar and that polar and all kind of other things because people's emotions aren't in check. So they want to give you a pill to settle your emotions. When the real problem is, is that you're not settled in your heart. Amen. Listen, I keep my emotions right here at a safe little distance because they can lead me astray. Right. I can't make my decisions based on my emotions and I can't let my emotions drive me, which is what I tend to do from time to time. Anybody else struggle with that? My emotions are inconsistent. One minute you're happy, the next minute you're mad. <laughs> now, ladies, I know you got this hormone thing and all this stuff going on, and you know, maybe menopause or whatever you want to call it. And I understand. I, I, no, I don't understand all that. <laughs> I was about to get something thrown at me. I I don't understand all that, but I I understand the results of all that. And I'm not here to water that down and say that that's not true because my wife is in the middle of it. Okay. And it's, it's a very delicate game. You got to play. I mean, it's, it's, you got to one minute you're walking on pins and needles and the next minute you got to be strong as a husband. Can I tell you ladies, it's just tough. You're going through it, but we're, we're getting the results of it. It's kind of like being around somebody that's smoking a cigarette. You're not smoking it, but you're getting the unfiltered part of it, right? Our emotions get inconsistent. Isn't it funny how when we're in a rush, anger is always our first reaction? You ever get a little road rage? Huh? Especially us men. I mean, it's, it's like a pride thing on top of a rage thing. My wife and I were we, Monday. We took off to go to a pastor's retreat that we do every year. And it's a great time for all of our pastors and all the churches we, that are part of our family. And so we had a hard time getting there. My back was messed up. Wasn't sure if we can go last minute. We're able to go. And so we packed the clothes, get the kids settled, all this stuff. And we get in my truck and we're cruising down the interstate. And I'm trying to breathe a little bit. You know, it was a fight to get there. So we're trying to relax and, and, and I, I, I wasn't aware while I was, I didn't realize I had taken a pain pill and I was driving. <laughs> yeah. Pray for me. And my wife didn't realize it either. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're traveling down the interstate and, and this guy, I mean, we're holding hands and the music's playing. We're having a great time. We're trying to just relax and talk and enjoy the moment. And you know, I'm trying to be a good husband. It's a moment. So I'm trying to stir up conversation and I'm, I'm rubbing her hand and we're riding and everything's good. Okay. And I'm going, I can feel my blood pressure coming down. I remember I'm medicated. I'm feeling my blood pressure coming down. And this guy comes flying up behind us in this little black car. And I'm in the fast lane. That's where I live. Most of my life is in the fast lane. And he comes flying up. And it's like, I go to hit my blinker. He didn't even give me a time. He just flies out on the side. And I'm like, from here, I'm not kidding you. I'm from, I'm from here to Mona. 
from the next vehicle. And he comes swinging in. I mean, he didn't hesitate. I was like, whoosh. And it was a good thing I was medicated because I just did this. I went. And he was looking and he went. And then I had to call my wife down. She's like, what's he doing? I can't believe. I was like. And normally that's me, but I was medicated. <clears throat> but I've seen times when I've tried to pull people over. <laughs> I pull up on, you better pull up. They can't hear what I'm saying. They show you your number one. And... But isn't it funny how when we get in a rush, and man, it's, it's, to me it was like, that was payback for me. Okay? I was like, okay, God, I got that. That's how I act sometimes when I'm in a rush. I got you. <laughs> Sometimes I don't realize how I am and how many people I hurt because I get in a rush and my emotions get in, inconsistent and I don't care about people. Job said this in 925. He said, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. My days go by like a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. How many days have you spent where at the end of the day you put your head on the pillow and you went, what just happened? How many wasted days where you just go, did I even smile today? What did I do today? Did I even pray? <laughs> Here's a little thing for you. Fast pace equals less joy. Slower pace equals more joy. Number three, I'm less productive. Yeah, but you're doing more. No, I, uh, you're right. I'm doing more. I'm working harder, but I'm less productive. It's kind of the difference between cutting a tree down with an axe and cutting a tree down with a good sharp chainsaw. Just because you go at the tree harder, just because you hit it harder and longer and you go faster, whatever it is, doesn't mean that you're actually more productive. Right. This is this is a lesson I'm learning today. Is how to slow down and sharpen my blade. Anybody else have that problem? Please raise your hand. Thank you. I feel better. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, I've, I found myself at times trying to do something with a tool that was broken just because I thought I was about to finish. You ever try to dig with a broken shovel? You ever try to cook without a pot, with a pot without, without a handle on it? I said, ah, I'll get it done. I said, a couple more minutes, a couple more minutes. Got to go, got to go, got to go, right? I got to do this, I got to do that. And you know who used to aggravate me is the people that would stop and fix their tools and sharpen their blades and go back to work. And at the end of the day, they did just as much as I did. I didn't like those people. I'm serious. You become less productive when you get unhealthy. 
Psalms 39, 6 says that we are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. And people think burnout comes from having too much activity, right? <clears throat> and then where burnout comes from? From having too much activity? Actually, burnout comes when you're doing the wrong activity. An activity with no production or an activity with no reward. There's actually activities you can do that give you rest, that actually stir your soul and encourage you. Did you realize that? You've heard my story about the teenage boy that was in trouble when I was a youth pastor. And we went to the battered women's shelter and we had to help him fix this place up that the city had donated to him, this house. And this boy, was, I mean, he was running hard from God, running from his mama, giving his mama all kind of fits and and, and he came and he helped us that day. And, and what happened to him that day just blew me away because he, he jumped in with both feet and he, he was the hardest working one, had the best attitude, but he was doing something that was rewarding to him. You follow me? There's actually activities that you can do that will help you rest, help you increase in energy and help you increase in encouragement there's things that you can do that actually are good for you and it's not just activity because you know how we are we say oh well i'm burnt out so that means i gotta stop completely right but you know what happens after you stop completely or at least this is the way they work for me i'll stop but then my mind's going okay i'm gonna have to catch up again <laughs> you ever do that how many of you hate taking vacation because you got to work twice as hard when you get back I'm less productive. Proverbs 21.5 says, Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Verse 19, and I mean, chapter 19 and verse 20 says, A, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. I'm the king of mistakes. Sometimes I make more mistakes than I get right. Number four, I end up empty inside when my life starts to get unhealthy. Right? That's where the whole burnout thing comes in. We just get empty inside. We're working hard. We're trying to fix this. We're trying to do that. We're trying. And listen, for a man, it's especially hard as a husband with a family because we're, we're called to be this provider. And if you're in the church today, I mean, you got, you got pastors that are telling you, you need to man up. You need to be a man. You need to do this. Society's telling men today they need to just chill out and let the women do it. But in the church world, the churches are telling men, men, you need to rise up and do this. You need to take care of business. So there's this pressure on us to what? Put bread on the table to provide for our families. Right. And then also to keep up with the Joneses. Right. So not only do we have to provide, but we're going to try and keep up with the Joneses. And we end up empty inside. Number five, I can't hear God. <laughs> you ever get to that place where you just, you go quite honestly, I just wasn't even listening. What, what God, oh, God said something? What? Oh, he, he was supposed to, oh, he speaks to me? I wonder how God feels. When he, when he says in that verse, he says, I've put before you life and death. 
blessings and curses. Now choose life. And the life that he has for us is a life of peace. Right? It's one of the fruits of the spirit of of following Jesus and, and, and growing in your life as you get to receive peace. Joy. Right? We got all these things that, that we can enjoy and we can, we, can, we can live life according to how God wants us to live it. Or we can live life according to what the world says or what we feel like we need to do. And then what happens? We choose death. Right? But it's disguised as life. And what comes with it? Curses. Are you with me? I mean, this is either really good or really bad because you're looking at me like a mule at the gate. But we get to a place where we can't hear God, right? We don't even stop to listen. We got up, the, we got up this morning, didn't even spend a second acknowledging God, right? Because why? Because we got a million and one things to do. We got to get out the door. We got to do our thing. We got to hurry up. And I'm sitting there going, man, God, what are you feeling like? That's what I'm looking at on the backside. I'm going, man, I was reckless. I was wild. I was out of control. And I'm supposed to be a pastor. And you're supposed to be a Christian. And his word says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But what do we do? I ain't got time for that. I'll catch you later, God. Hang tight, man. I know you're not going anywhere. It's kind of like we do in our marriages, right? We'll take the other person for granted. They're not going to leave. I I can get away with this a little bit longer, right? And the whole time, we're not hurting God. Who are we hurting? Ourselves. He's got a way that leads to peace. He's got a way that's a better way. It's a way that leads to life. And he says, I want you to live your life this way. Because this is the life that I've placed in front of you. Choose life. Stop choosing death. Choose life. And along with life comes blessings. Right? Psalms 46.10, you've heard this verse, but let me tell you something. You need to stamp it on your forehead today. 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you stopped and got to know God? When's the last time you were still? See, let me tell you how it works at my house. We come inside and, you know, me and the kids will come inside and, you know, it's been a busy day. and We're finishing up everything. The chickens are put up. The, the pigs are fed and we're, we're coming to the house and it's time for supper and my, my plan, my vision for that time is that we eat supper, enjoy each other's fellowship, and then the kids can go either wrap up homework or watch a little bit of TV, but I get a little bit of time with my wife, okay? And I want to just, I just want to stop and be still with her. But she's got dishes now to clean. She's got things she's got tomorrow. So she'll tend to, you know, she'll, she, she tries 
Okay, hey, uh, yeah, babe, let's let's talk about this. And, and she's trying to clean the kitchen. I'm going, you're not giving me no time. Right? And it may be vice versa at your house. And maybe the man don't quit. And you're trying to get time with him. And he won't ever stop doing this and that until he hits the bed. But we got to learn how to be still. And know God. Amen? Sometimes being still literally means to really be still. (laughs) It means turn your cell phone off. Off. Not on vibrate because you can still hear it vibrate. Or you put it on vibrate and you leave it on the table and then... Let everybody else in the house know, hey, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be still with God. Okay? In other words, leave me alone. And you just stop. Why is that so hard? Isn't it hard? Mark 6.31 says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Why do we have to take vacations to get rest? Why can't we learn how to get rest where we are? Why do you got to spend thousands of dollars to go to a mountainside in a cabin that everybody and their mama slept in? That the next door neighbor's there to have a party and you're trying to have a break, right? To think that you're going to establish or accomplish what? Rest. And you drive 12 hours to get there. That ain't rest. That's stress. Right? Why can't we learn to find rest where we are? Vacations are great, but I've just, I've established in my mind, I've just made my mind up. Vacations aren't for rest. If I want rest, I need to send the kids to my mother-in-law's house and just be quiet with my wife at the house. That's like the greatest thing in the world, right? It's like kick the kids out and just sit home in your short pants and just do nothing. I can hear the angels singing when that happens, man. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And sometimes we're, we're so accustomed to the noise and the busyness. Sometimes we just sit around and we go, Man, we get uncomfortable because it's so quiet. You go, whew, this is kind of weird, right? You know, sometimes being still and getting to know God and being quiet can be a little weird. But it doesn't mean it ain't right. You with me? It might be a little awkward to turn your cell phone off knowing that you got business people calling or you got customers or clients or whoever your boss may be calling. I don't know. But whoever it is, some, it's, it's kind of awkward to turn your phone off and put it in a place where you can't hear it so that you can be still and know God. But it doesn't mean it ain't right. Right? Remember, we're talking about fresh air. How we all need fresh air. We need to get out of the doldrums where there's no air. Something needs to change in our life. Because let me tell you something. I was running a pattern in my life that was very, very unhealthy. I'm in the condition I'm in today because of the pattern I was living. 
the race I was running. And I'm very unhealthy right now. And this message is for me. Learning how to stop. Learning how to rest. It's amazing what you think about when you're laying on the floor and your back is out and you can't move. So let me give you a couple of things to encourage you and change your life with. Number one, stop the constant push for more. How do, how do we do this, Pastor? How do, we, how, do we, how do we get this good medicine that God has for us? How do we choose this life instead of death? Stop the constant push for more. Be content with what you have. Amen? Be content. I, I sold my company. So that I could become a full-time pastor. And I could slow life down. And, and three times already I've caught myself trying to start something else. Because I just feel like i got to be doing something more. How many of you ever feel guilty when you just stop? You ever do that? I mean, you just feel like a lazy lima bean, right? You're like, man, you lazy bum. When's the last time somebody asked you what, how, what you've been up to and you say, Nothing. When's the last time you said nothing? God, that's so hard. (laughs) Stop the constant push for more. The average American spends 137% of their income. Think about that. (laughs) Buying stuff they don't need to impress people they don't like. And to be somebody they're not. Right? We're getting so much debt trying to impress people. Don't we? Buying things that we don't need. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. I tell you, I'm really falling in love with the way people used to do things. Really falling in love with the way the old folks used to do things. I just have been lately. I just, and I think it's God's way of showing me how to slow down because I remember some of my, my elders and the way they used to do things and how they used to just take their time. And, you know, they would, they would have a plan. If they went outside, they were going to work today in the yard. They had a plan. I, well, today I'm going to cut my grass and I'm going to take care of that bush. And that's, that's probably it. And they go do that and then they might stop after lunch and take a break. Take a nap. My father-in-law is, is a great example to me. He's, he was, I, I, you could almost swear he was Mexican because he took a siesta every day. He would, he, this was his routine. He would, he would get up at 6 in the morning, go to work. He would come home at lunchtime. His wife had a full-blown meal for him. I mean, his brother had rice gravy, sides, and everything every day. He'd come home, eat his, eat his, his, his lunch, and then it, this is what he did. He hit the recliner for 30 minutes. And I can even remember being young and going, that's weird. Because his yard wouldn't be cut, but he's taking a nap. My mind goes, okay, I got 30 minutes to cut the grass on my lunch break. (laughs) You see how it works for me? It's crazy. But he would just take a nap and then he'd get up refreshed and go. I used, to, I used to hold myself to 30-minute lunches at work because that, that's all you needed to sw- scarf something down and keep going because, right, we're trying to be productive. 
And I hired a bunch of Mexicans and they take an hour for lunch. And I tried to tell them, no, you get 30 minutes. And they said, no, we go back to Mexico. <laughs> one hour. You don't need one hour. One hour. But I discovered something in that. Sometimes you got to let food digest. Right? Sometimes you got to slow down and actually taste it. Stop the constant push for more. You know, back in my day when I was a kid, our, 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 our Xbox and our iPod was a, a pile of dirt. You know how we texted somebody is when you hit them with a piece of dirt. That's how you texted somebody. I tagged him. I mean, that's what we did. It wasn't no stuck to this little screen in my own little world. It was, we were doing something and it was simple. Life was easy, right? Man, it was like, man, there was no stress. I tell my kids all the time, man, you got it made. Enjoy these days. Please. Proverbs 14, 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. Some of us need to learn these two letters in O. In O. That's been a hard lesson for me is to learn how to say no. Say no to other people. Say no to myself. That's the hardest one. Say no to my wife. I don't use that one too often. But you know, it's always easier to get into something than it is to get out, right? It's always easier to get into debt than to get out of debt, right? For most of us men, it's always easier to get into trouble than out of trouble, right? It's easier to get in a relationship than it is to get out of a relationship. Sometimes we got to learn how to say no. Sometimes we got to learn how to put limits on ourselves. There's nothing wrong with saying, I've been doing nothing. Number two, keep the Sabbath day holy. So the first thing we do is we stop pushing for more. And the second thing we do is we keep the Sabbath day holy. God worked six days and on the seventh day he took off. He rested. Did he need rest? No. We need rest. He did that as an example for us. To keep the Sabbath day holy. That's one thing Denny and I did when we were in business together is we, we refused to work on Sundays. Amen. It's shut down, man. No. I mean, customers say, look, I'll pay you two and a half times what you would normally charge. No. Sundays for family, Sundays for, for church, Sundays for God, Sundays for rest. Right? And God's always honored that and God's always blessed that. But sometimes we get to looking at Sunday as a day to catch up. Right? I seen a guy today with a lawnmower behind his truck going cut yards on Sunday. I'm like, man, you got to stop. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Exodus 20 verse 9 to 10 says, you have six days in which to do your work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me, says the Lord. This is how it ought to look. You ought to work five days for your employer, 
one day for yourself, and then you take the, the, the last day off. Isn't that good? You work five days for your employer, one day for yourself. In other words, it, for me, it kind of looks like a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the employer, Saturday for me, Sunday for God. To me, that's a, that's a good example of health. Amen? Because you've got to earn money. You've got to have money to pay the bills, right? You can't take Monday through Friday for yourself and work for somebody one day. If you've got that job, let me know. Uh, I'd love to come work for you. But it just doesn't happen. You say, well, man, so what does that look like? What does a Sabbath day look like? Sabbath day means no work. And actually, in the Bible times, it says they, they couldn't walk more than, what was it, two miles? And they were actually breaking the rules if they, if they walked more than two miles. No emails. Come on. No working on your calendar for the week. Stop. Proverbs 10.27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to each day. I'm going to say that again. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. You know what's funny is when, you, is when you actually pursue God first. When you do what the Bible says and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay? That's what the Bible says. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then it says, and all these things will be added to you. Okay? So the principle I'm, I'm discovering now, and I've, I've had head knowledge of this for a long time, but I'm really discovering it now, is that if I will take care of Jesus first, are you with me? I make sure in the mornings that I'm acknowledging him, I'm praying to him, I'm spending time with him, I'm reading his word, I'm praying, I'm listening, I'm still and I'm quiet. You know what's funny is, is I'm doing just as much as I used to, and sometimes more, with half the stress and half the pressure. I heard a guy say at our retreat this past weekend, this past week, he said, he said, when you're doing things out of your own strength, it's like plowing harder and reaping less. But when you're doing things in God's timing and in quietness with God, you're plowing easier and harvesting more. Isn't that a good analogy? You're plowing easier and you're harvesting more. There's something magical that happens when you take care of God first. Amen? So you keep the Sabbath day holy. Number three, you get close to Jesus. Say, well, that's great, Pastor. I'll get close to Jesus. How do I get close to Jesus? You spend time with Him. The only way to get close to somebody is to spend time with them, right? You remember when you met your wife for the first time? What did you want to do? You wanted to spend time with her, right? Why? Because you wanted to get to know her. You remember what that felt like? Or your husband? Since we're mostly ladies in here. Or y'all are mostly ladies. You wanted to get to know somebody. What would you do? You spent time with them. Amen? You spent time. Devoted time. Not distracted time. There's a difference. I can't spend time with Jesus while I'm watching the football game. Especially LSU. I mean, I just, 
There was no way Jesus had room in that game yesterday. I mean, that was one of the greatest games I've seen. But get close to Jesus is how we become healthy. Psalms 23, 1 to 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. How does he do that? By leading us. So how do we do that? By following him. Come on, you got to hear this. You can choose your way or you can choose God's way. His way leads to green pastures. Your way is probably not going to lead to green pastures. Come on, somebody. He's a good shepherd, and if we'll let him, he'll bring us into healthy places. Amen? Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you want a little easy and light? How many of you want that this morning? A little easy and light. I mean, come on. Let's, how many of you are ready to stop working for it? How many of you are ready to stop beating your head against the wall trying to make something happen? How about a little easy and light? My, my wife's aunt makes a, uh, a Mississippi mud pie. And people make Mississippi mud pie many different ways, right? Some people make it so rich that you can only eat a little bitty piece like this. We call it a gut bomb because when it finally hits your stomach, it's like a bomb. But you only get a little piece, right? My wife's aunt makes it so light but still good that you can eat half a pan. With no gut bomb. Are you hearing me? I mean, I love her, her Mississippi mud better than anybody else's because I can just gorge myself on it and enjoy every bit of it and not feel bad at the end of it. I'm just being honest. I like easy and light. But there's just that thing inside of me that wants to go hard. Right? Hard, heavy, burdensome. Man, I just want that gone. Amen? I said, I'm ready to get rid of that. And I know where it comes from. My mom was like that. My, my dad's not quite like that, but he can be at times. And I just, that's where I got it from. It was an example to me. And I'm a responsible adult now who needs to take care of his own business. And if my life is reckless, and it's burdensome and it's heavy. It's my responsibility to change something. Amen. I'm a big boy now. I can't blame mama anymore. I got to change something. So what am I going to change? Number one, I'm going to stop pushing for more. I'm going to be satisfied with what I got. Number two, I'm going to keep the Sabbath day holy. Number three, I'm going to get close to Jesus. How are you going to do that, Pastor? Every day I'm just going to pursue Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get myself some good medicine from the great physician. And I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get on course. Slow down. 
So one day you might ask me, Pastor, what have you been doing? And I pray that I'm able to say nothing. And I pray the same thing for you. Let me give you one last verse. Isaiah 63, 14 says, They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make yourselves a glorious name. Who gives us rest? God does. He gives us rest. He leads us beside still waters and puts us in green pastures where we can become healthy. Amen? How many of you want that this morning? How many of you here and you can just say, you know what, I just... I just need to slow down. I've been trying to catch up my finances. I've been trying to catch up around the house. I've been trying to, I've been trying to catch this, catch that. And you know what? You're just exhausted. I want to do something a little different this morning. Our third fresh air principle is to slow down. So I want us to take two minutes. Just right now, just put your Bibles away. Just put everything out of your hands, place it to the side of you. And I want you just to sit there and I want you to just put your hands on your legs. I want you to get your posture right. Just posture yourself, okay? We're going to go to nothing land. Seriously. So just, just sit there and put your hands on your knees and just relax, Okay? Just close your eyes. Let the tension leave your shoulders. Let your back relax a little bit. Unclench your fist and just open your hands. And just keep them open. I'm just going to pray over you for about two minutes. Lord, I ask you for these people here in this room, for myself especially, Lord. I want to slow down. I want to be able to smell the roses, Lord. Father, I want to do like your word says and be still and know that you are God. I want to turn off all the noise of this world and the the noise of the things that I create a lot of times myself. And I just want to sit in quietness and in peace and know that you are God. So Lord, help us as a church to slow down. Like your word says in Deuteronomy, Father, help us to choose life. I pray that, Lord, we'll learn how to follow you besides the still waters and in the green pastures. And Father, just like Jesus' example to us, getting away to a quiet place to spend time with you, Lord, I pray that that'll become our life. That's what we do, Lord. That's how we operate. That's what's important. Lord, I pray for all the things that we tend to make so big and so important. I pray that they'll just strangely fade away. Lord, help us to prioritize our lives. And it looks like you first, our marriage is second, our children third. And 
Our ministry is forth, Lord. Our callings are forth, Father. Just help us to keep things in priority. Help us to become healthy people, Lord. So that wherever we go, we're breathing fresh air into the environment. Lord, we're life givers. Not people that are exhausted in life. But we're life givers. When we walk into a room, Lord, we change the atmosphere. We change the attitude. When we come around, people, people see us as a, 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 just a, a, a breath of fresh air, Lord. We can only do that when we're healthy, Father. Help us to be healthy. Heal our bodies, heal our minds, heal our emotions. Break off the things that drive us, the, the, maybe the curses we've lived under and the, or maybe the patterns we've created in our lives, Lord, that just unhealthy things. Help us to just break those away. I ask you to take them from us, Lord. I say to those things, leave. I say just peace and rest. Come in Jesus' name. Heal us, Lord. Heal us and make us healthy, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Heal us and make us whole. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.